This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your, your presence. Thank you for your spirit. God, I ask you now in the mighty name of Jesus that you will open your word to us. God, I don't know everything that you want to say today in this service, but I do know that I have a now word, and it is right where we live. Father, thank you for how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let all God's people say amen. Amen. But amen. But what I've learned in this message already this morning is it's hard to say amen when when you're inwardly going, oh, me. And so today I want to deal with you not about a convicting message, but a message that deals with your pain right where you are. It deals with the struggles that you face. It deals with the things that have motivated your lives. We've been in a study around here for the last few weeks about what happens when a giant doesn't fall. What happens when you have a Goliath and you throw a rock at Goliath and Goliath ducks? Am I the only one who feels like I've had some of those giants? Can I tell you Goliath had five brothers? Are there five of them total? Come on now. And his brothers and he were all just as ugly as each other. And sometimes I feel like I'm fighting one of those brothers. Sometimes I realize I've, I've slain significant giants in my life, but another one has shown up. And the reason that they won't fall, as we've learned in this series, is that we've seen ourselves as David far too many times, that Jesus is the one who defeats the giants of our lives. And we've tried to be our own hero. You see, that was a problem way back in the garden. Way back in the garden, they thought, if I could just eat this little bit of a, a, a fruit, I can be like God. In other words, they were trying to skip the steps of what it took to become. But God doesn't want us trying to skip the steps to see our giants fall. He wants us to get wells and live in the fact that Jesus has already defeated our giants. And because I'm teaching for a moment quietly here, don't, don't, don't you back down on your amens, because what I'm saying to you, you need to get... 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 28, is where I believe a lot of us end up in our lives. Uh, I think that it's important, I didn't mean to share this story today, but I think it's important to share a story with you. Uh, uh, you know, as I was growing up, there was, there was three sons. Uh, one is only three years older than the oldest grandchild, so there was really two of us growing up together. And, and as we were growing up together, uh, uh, my dad had two jobs. He was a builder and a pastor. He took my brother and I uh, to both. We'd take a visitation with him, and we'd go to services with him, and then he'd take us to the job sites, and we'd go to the job sites, and we got to the job sites, and finally, after about a year of me going to the job sites with my dad, my father looked at me, and he said these words. He said, son, you better learn to preach, or if, you'll, if not, you'll starve to death. <laughs> I built a doghouse one time. I was so proud of it. The dog took one step toward it, and it went, <laughs> fell over. I'm telling you, it's not my calling. It's not what I do. It's not who I'm created to be. But in that, I, I, because dad would go to the job sites, a lot of times I wasn't with him and I wasn't, I, that wasn't my world as it were. And so, uh, uh, dad was pastoring a different kind of church, uh, than ours here and, and it had a, a very demanding, uh, a, a set of schedules. And, and so he was gone a lot. And, and I wasn't used to dad being really involved in, in special days of my life. 
And I'll never forget, it was my freshman year. I was class president. I, I, I was uh, a student of the year. I, I came, literally in the award ceremony, uh, I, I got like 13 uh, times they called me out front and I won the, the, the leading awards of the day. I felt like it was something special, not because I'd won 13 awards, but because my dad had actually come to my award ceremony. Dad was there. Dad had showed up. Mom was always there, it seemed like, and mom knew just what to say. And, and, and come on now, my mom knows how to spoil me royally. Can I, any other mama boys in here? Come on now. Amen. I, you know, I don't eat bananas, and, and, and my mom, people love her banana pudding. My mama makes my banana pudding without bananas. Come on now. Amen. I'm telling you, spoiled royally. I was used to mama being there, but I wasn't used to dad being there, so it made it more special to me. And I, I'm walking out, and my head feels about this big, and I, I literally can still see at Otwell Middle School, or junior high, then uh, freshmen were still at junior high. I, I can still remember stepping out of Otwell Junior High, and I can see those old doors that went into the gym there. There was a trash can to the left, a beam right here. I had not made it to the first beam, and my dad looks at me, because I'm, I'm, I'm leaving early, as it were. I mean, I've, I've got all the awards. I'm walking out. Uh, people are patting me on the back as we're coming through, and a lot of parents are, you know, going, uh, man, you, I bet you're proud of him. My dad's been nice. And we step outside those doors. And my dad looks at me and he says these words. I'm, I'm ready for to hear him say, uh, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Come on, amen. My dad looks at me and he says these words. He says, son, I want you to know something. He said, I'm proud of what you've done. He said, but if I was been called here today because you were in a fight, I'd be just as proud of you. Those words cut me to the core. I thought, what good is it anything I'm trying to do? What good is anything I'm trying to accomplish if you'd be just as proud of me if you came up here because I was in trouble? They cut me deep and I couldn't, I couldn't figure out why he would say something like that to me. But then later in life, I realized the importance of what he was saying to me. What he was saying to me is, son, it doesn't matter to me what you're doing. It doesn't change who you are. You are my son. You are my child. And nothing's ever going to change who you are in my life. And when he says, but really I've learned later in life, that was probably one of the greatest gifts my dad could have ever given me to say, stop trying to earn my approval and just receive it. And here's the problem we have in our study we're on in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 28. We, we find a man who's dealing with a struggle that so many of us deal with in our lives. And this is what it says. This is a powerfully deep passage, but you have to understand the whole context. It says this, when Eliab who was David's oldest brother. Now we have this mental image of, of David being this child. David is not a child. David's not a little boy, little boy, little shepherd boy. Uh, there's no shepherd little boy running out onto the field to fight a giant. No king would be crazy enough to let an unskilled warrior go out and fight. You go, well, I've heard that preached my whole life. Well, what, the, what your preacher didn't do is read 1 Samuel chapter 16 that says that David was a man, after he was chosen and anointed to be king, he was a man who went and served in the battle alongside Saul as his armor bearer. In the heat of the battle, he carried the shield to protect the king. He learned how to be a bodyguard for the king. He learned how to fight. And the Bible says, describing him, he was a man of war from his youth. So he was a young man, but yet he had grown up on the battlefield. God was preparing him. I don't know who you are and I don't know what you've been through, but what you thought was still going to destroy you was God really preparing you to become something greater than you are. So today I, I want you to pick up the story with me here. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with him, heard David speaking with the man, he burned with anger at him and he asked him, why have you come down here? In other words, he said, what are you doing here? Come on, say that with me. What are you doing here? 
I think it's important that you get that statement out of your lips because you need to understand that, that it's, that's how plain it is. What are you doing here? What, who gave you the right to come down here? You're supposed to be at home watching the sheep. It's my turn to do something. You got all the credit there, and now it's my turn, Eliab says. He's mad at David because David stole his credit. Because you have to understand what happened in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel is this, uh, that uh, Jesse sees Samuel coming down the road, and he runs in and goes, Samuel, are you here for good reasons or bad reasons? And Samuel said, Jesse, go cook a dinner. I'm going to choose a new king for Israel tonight, and it's coming from among your sons. So he goes and cooks this dinner, and as he goes to choose this new king from among Jesse's sons, Jesse says, I know exactly who it is. It's Eliab. It's, it's, it's David's oldest brother. It's Eliab. He didn't even bother calling David to the dinner. He says he's the strongest, the smartest, the best looking, the tallest. He's everything that he's supposed to be. I just feel like he had a head full of hair. Come on, Amen. He's everything that he's supposed to be, and, and they, they set Eliab up, and Eliab is standing there, the pride of Bethlehem, ready to be anointed king, and Samuel is probably not the kindest individual for this moment. Samuel looks at him and goes, hmm, yeah, you look good on the outside, but, but you got a bad heart. You won't do. Well, Eliab thinks, well, maybe my younger brother, my best friend, and he skips him, and he skips him, and he skips him, and finally all the way down to the eighth son, David, and nobody likes David because David is the product of his father stepping out on Eliab's mother. And David said these words himself, I was conceived in sin. And David, this illegitimate son, is brought before the son who was celebrated. And he is chosen. In that moment, Eliab is rejected on every side. Because of his rejection that he experiences by not chosen to be king, because of the rejection that he, that he goes through and this nope, not him mentality that Samuel speaks into his life, Eliab begins to allow that to fester inside of his heart and he feels the spirit of rejection. And I've come to talk to somebody today and tell you that some of you are fighting a giant called rejection. Somebody walked out on you that shouldn't have walked out on you. Somebody that should have protected you didn't protect you. Somebody that should have spoke life into you, spoke death into you. Somebody that should have cared, did not care. And here's what you need to understand. We find from Eliab's life, he's been fighting this giant of rejection. And because he's fighting this giant of rejection, that rejected people reject people. David hasn't done anything wrong. As a matter of fact, he showed up. Now listen, the Bible says he showed up with bread and cheese. That sounds pretty good. Let me just say this. He went by Eliab's favorite restaurant and came with a milkshake and fries. In other words, he came down there saying, hey, I got what you like, Eliab. And Eliab doesn't even say thank you. He's dealing from a place of rejection. He can't even be grateful to David for showing up with refreshments because he's so rejected. Now, that doesn't make sense to some of you, but some of you can't say amen because you're too busy saying, oh, me. You see, many of us feel like we're not good enough or we're not smart enough. And if everybody could see past the fact of how we look on the outside, they'd realize we don't measure up on the inside. I've come to preach to you today. I'm speaking to somebody. And as much as we wish it weren't the true the opinions of others matter to us. We want people to like us. 
A word of rejection, even when it's small, and even if it wasn't aimed at us, can stick and it stings our heart. And we find ourselves just, just trying to find somebody to accept us for who we are. And what happens is this, this tiny seed of rejection takes root inside of us and we find ourselves, instead of seeing ourselves as God's chosen child, as instead of seeing ourselves as this is the generation that God has created for us to worship him in, instead of seeing ourselves as being on target and on time, watchmen on the wall as it were, we see ourselves as just trying not to be our daddy, trying not to be that mom that walked out, trying not to be that person who harmed us, trying not to be motivated by all the rejections of our lives. And the reality is when you spend your whole life with one eye on who you're trying not to be, you'll find out you start mirroring mirroring them more than you know. Spit the old me's out and give me an amen. And we find ourselves tormented by a giant of rejection. We're afraid that people will see us for who we are, not for who we want them to see us as. I'm preaching truth to somebody today. But here's the problem. We're staring down this ugly giant going, do you not accept me for who I am? And we're looking for validation from the giant, and the giant was not sent to build you up. The giant was sent to destroy you. The only place that you're going to find the acceptance that you need and you deserve is in Jesus Christ. We've been talking about the fact that Jesus has already won the victory and he's already defeated every giant that we could ever face. And you will not overcome the worry of rejection until you see yourself as the dearly loved child of God that you are. As Paul wrote, if we are his children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, this is Romans chapter 8, 17, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. Here's what the word is really saying there. I want you to understand not only are you God's children, but you are children that he sees as joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are not some children who are just sneaking in somehow by some loophole because we trick God into somehow accepting us. No, he's saying to us, You are my children who I love. How many of you watched the the funeral of Ronald Reagan? Anybody remember that? That funeral, one statement in that funeral changed my life. It's when his oldest son, Michael, speaking, and he stands up and he says this. He says, he says, "Let let me just explain this to you. He said, my father, when he adopted me, He made me his son, notice what I'm about to say, to my face and behind my back. He made me his son to my my face and behind my back. It means that later when he produced a biological heir, a biological son, he didn't run over there and go, now look, Ronnie Jr., you just got to put up with Michael because you know, I mean, I accepted him and I adopted him and you got to look. No, he said, he said this was the confidence that I had that he never doubted that I was his child because once he chose me, he realized he had not made a mistake, but he had made a commitment and the commitment was to love me no matter where I was and what I was going through. Can I tell you today that some of you feel like God made a mistake when he lets you into the kingdom of heaven, but God did not make a mistake. He paid a price that was way too high to do something for us that we don't deserve, to bring us into a relationship that's far too good than we could ever imagine. Think about how much you love your child. 
didn't take you long, probably about 0.3 seconds to be willing to die for that little baby right there. But he died for you from the foundations of the world. Oh, maybe God will answer me when I cry. He was already willing to die for you before he heard your cry. I want you to get that. Pastor Don, you don't understand how messed up I am. No, no, you're not understanding what I'm trying to tell you today. God does not want you to stay messed up, but you will stay messed up until you accept the fact that he accepts you right now just like you are because he will take you where you are and clean you up and set you up to be successful in what God has called you to be and move you to the next level. Some of you are going, oh, Pastor, now you want us to be blessed. Yes, I want you to be blessed. I don't want you to be cursed. I want you to walk in the favor of the living God. But I'm not talking about money and wealth. I'm talking about joy and hope and peace and knowing that God has chosen you and God loves you and God purposes for your life. Oh, but Pastor Don, will he love me? See, that's the problem. We come into church. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost the one about to say We come into church and we're thinking that, that we weren't good enough this week and God's going to be sitting there going, mm, you better not worship. See, this is the posture of rejection. And that's not the way God stands. The posture of rejection is one thing, but Jesus had the posture of acceptance when he stretched out his hands and had them nailed to a cross. Said, come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Pastor Don, you've just been telling us for weeks that God loves us and God loves us just how we are. Yes, I have been telling you that for weeks, months, and years. But guess what? I'm going to tell you until the demon of rejection goes back to the pits of hell where he deserves to be because God has chosen you. God loves you. And the devil will not destroy this flock. You shall serve the Lord. Amen. I feel like preaching. Maybe someday I'll get started. You see, your worth isn't wrapped up in what you achieve. You listen to me, what I'm about to say to you. Your worth is not wrapped up in what you achieve. But your worth is anchored in the fact that Jesus Christ died for you. I want you to get that. And if I'm constantly trying to make you like me, I can never be who God called me to be because I'm not ministering from the acceptance of a congregation. I have to minister from the, the acceptance that I know I have in Christ because I can't get you somewhere that I've never been myself. And I've had to learn myself that though I may not be perfect and though I may struggle and I may go through tough times and the devil may tell me, how dare you think God could use you? I realize something. How dare I think that God could use me, but I can tell you why he can use me because of his grace and because of his goodness. And he loves you just like he loves me and you will be blessed. Amen. You live from his acceptance, not for the acceptance of others. I want you to get that. And so here we have Eliab dealing with this anger that is byproduct of rejection Listen to me. You see, rejection is the brother giant that has a twin named Anger. And I'm going to tell you again, they're both just as ugly. Neither one of them won. And because you feel rejected, you end up 
getting angry. And this root of anger takes over, and you end up finding yourself lashing out at people that you have no business lashing out at. And Eliab is simmering. And all David does is show up with refreshments. And Eliab says, you will not steal this show. Little did he know. Come on, amen. Let me tell you. Some of you go, I don't think I have a problem with anger. I'm probably talking to you. One of the ways you know if you're struggling with anger is if you get mad about something that never happened. Come on. If you get mad about something that never happened, you probably are struggling with anger. If you're driving somewhere, and by the time you get to where you're going, you're not even worth walking in the door because you can't be nice to anybody because you made up a situation in your mind before you ever got there, and you've been fighting the whole way there, don't look at me like you're holy. Then you're probably dealing with anger. Because I found, I used to think people had to somehow validate themselves, but what I realized is they will create situations in their mind that will become reality in their minds, and they're not even reality in the world, and they're simmering over in things that never happened. I'm preaching to somebody today. I don't know who needs to get this, but here's something I need you to understand. This is important. When you've been dealing with rejection your whole life, and you've been dealing with anger as a product of that, and you're ready for them to fall, here's something you need to realize. Lasting change seldom arrives instantaneously. What we want is, we want to walk into church and we want to go, oh, that'll make me godly? Same problem as in the garden. We just think we can get a fix. We think we can get a new song and make us feel goosebumps and suddenly we're better. But that's not the way it works. That's not what God wants you to see. God wants you to realize that you've suffered through these things for years. And sometimes it's going to take you walking through some other situations so that you can get what is rooted worked out. And instead of feeling like God somehow abandoned us because we struggle with it again, what we might realize is that we didn't realize we weren't there yet. Come on now. Somebody walked to me and said, you know, Pastor, you want to lose some weight? I was like, well, you want to get taller? Come on now, amen. <laughs> so some things just don't change now. Come on. I'm playing. But, but let me tell you, I realize that if I were to have a body change, it cannot happen overnight. I didn't, I didn't end up where I am in my life in a moment. You know, I was meeting with, some of you may not recognize this name, but there's, there's a great author in the 80s, and he's still preaching, but, but he really changed a lot of people in the 80s and 90s. His name was Josh McDowell. And Josh and I were sitting in a green room one day, uh, just chatting. We were both were speakers at a conference, and, and, and I told Josh what God was doing in a group of men I'd just spoken to, and, and, and Josh just, just, I mean, just, I just, if I hadn't respected him, I'd probably wanted to slap him right there. He said, how dare you think you changed those men's lives? Well, I didn't change their life. God changed their life. He said, no, 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 God's changing their lives. He said, you told them something they've struggled with since they were six that they could be free from in a moment. That's why well, I believe that. He said, yes, they can be free from in a moment, but they're still going to be tempted for years. 
He said, and until they go through about a four-year cycle, they'll never walk in the freedom that God intends for them. See, some of you are just trying to get four days without your last problem hitting you again. But God's wanting to get you through four decades of victory. But you're going to have to start building and building. So in other words, what I'm trying to bring all that up to tell you is I can't fix you today if you feel rejected. I mean, God can... God can change your life and you can be saved and you can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you realize you're not alone, that goes a long ways. Can I get an amen for that? But I can't fix you today. All I can do is tell you it's a step-by-step daily process. But I start realizing that every day I cannot let what yesterday was like determine who I am today because yesterday may have been a good day and that doesn't give me an excuse to have a bad day today. And today might be a really bad day and that doesn't give me an excuse to go back to the things I used to be. But instead, I walk in a daily faith in Christ Jesus that helps me realize I'm not who I was, I'm not who I'm going to be yet, but I'm still walking and I'm still growing and I'm still hearing him call me on because he's not give up, giving up on me. He's not done. Can I just tell you that he's not the one standing up in the, in the stands going, well, I trained you better than that. You better keep on running, boy. He's the one. Watch this now. He's the one who runs down on the track with you, throws his arm under you, and says, let me finish what you can't go. Let me carry you where you can't get to. Let me help you along the way. I want you to be who I created you to be. I'm going to close with this story today. So I told you about that moment that my dad cut my heart, but it helped my heart. It changed me. It changed who I am. You, who you are is not dependent on whether or not you, 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 you do all the right pleasing things. I mean, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have arguments and not be happy with each other. But, but, but who you are is dependent on the relationship you have with your Heavenly Father. Can I tell you the moment that I realized the importance of that story more than any other? It was my father was at the lowest point of his life. Tears were streaming down his face. And he had had to, to just be honest with so many people about the struggles of his life. But the hardest group that he had to be honest with were his sons. And he was just pouring out his heart. Mom was standing behind him with her arm wrapped around him. And, and he's just pouring out his heart about his weaknesses to us and his struggles. And suddenly I was a ninth grade boy again. And I realized it wasn't about what my dad had done right. It was about the fact of who he is. And I, I got to flip that moment because I realized it was about him needing to realize that he didn't have to be perfect for us to love him. God is perfect. But you see, we can never love him the way he deserves to be loved until we hear what I'm trying to tell you. You've got to accept his unconditional love right where you are. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to find it. And simply accept it. How many times do we search for something that's already been placed in front of us. It's right there. The gift 
and the favor of God. He calls you the apple of his eye. That while you were still filthy in sin, he died for us. He chose us. And the rejection giant and the anger giant are screaming, you'll never measure up. And I scream back, oh, you speak truth. I will never measure up. But where I fall short in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. Where I don't measure up, he does measure up. He has made me his own. Stand with me. I saw an eye doctor the other day and he, 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 he gave some Greek diagnoses. I was defining the Greek. And he said, he said, he saw me. He's like, I said, hold on, hold on. I'll get you there. And he said, let me just layman term it for you real fast. And I was like, no, I can get it. And he's like, no, 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 no. He said, let me just put it, put it away. I tell everybody else, you're getting old. I said, I don't like you. Maybe crying a lot is part of getting old. But maybe realizing no matter how hard I try, I can't earn everybody's love. I can't please everybody. But there is one that I don't have to try. His name is Jesus. He gives it freely. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place for just a moment. Just just to help a, a preacher out, I guess. Is there anybody in here who faces the, the giant of rejection? Could I see your hand? Would you hold it up high? Hold it up high. Hands all over this place. Right now, what you didn't realize was when you put that hand up, you literally stuck it into, as it were, a connection point with a healing virtue of the living God. You, now, I want you to hear what the Holy Spirit just, just dropped in my heart. You reached out and you're touching the hem of his garment as he's passing by. Lord, let virtue come into every hand that's in the air. Let healing come into them and let them begin to stop being driven by having to feel like that they're expected to be perfect. And Lord, they'll never measure up to, to you. They'll never measure up to Jesus. You just call them to, to, to accept who you see them as. They may never measure up to the earthly examples they've had. But God, we are still loved. Let your healing flow into them now. In the name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Put your hands down for just a moment. Maybe you're here today. And you say, Pastor, I need to commit my life fresh and anew to Jesus Christ. I've allowed the fear of rejection to push me away from the presence of God. And and I failed so many times I thought that God couldn't love me but God brought me here today and I'm willing to accept him right where I am to rescue me and deliver me and restore me to the joy of my salvation or maybe you're here today and you say pastor I have always thought I was too broken for God to fix and I never accepted Christ as my savior there's 13 people who already responded on this campus today but maybe Maybe there's a 14th or a 15th in this service. I'm not going to embarrass you. I didn't embarrass anybody else. So just raise their hand. But if it's you and you say, today's the day I want to surrender my life to Christ, either as a recommitment or as a point of commitment to Christ and salvation, 
Can I just see your hand right where it is? Would you hold it up high? Thank you. 14, 15, thank you. Thank you. Just hold them up high. 16, thank you. Thank you. I'm looking around this room. Thank you. Thank you. 17, thank you. All right, you can put those hands down. Are there others? Are there others? This is your moment. This is your time. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you're listening right now. Maybe you're going down the road and you're listening right now. Your hope is in Christ. And you just say, that's me. Just speak it out. Those of you watching, type it out. That's me. I'm going to accept Jesus today. That's me. That's me. All right, I'm going to pray a prayer with these in the service. Hands have gone up all over this room, from balconies to floors. God's going to change lives. We're going to all pray this prayer with them. Somebody said, Pastor, why do you make us do that? Because when we pray this prayer with them, what we're doing is coming to the even ground of Calvary that says this is where we all start. Because it's where we all end up. At the grace of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we would be born again. People say to me, Pastor, do you really believe lives can be changed praying with people right where they are? Yes, I do. I've seen hundreds of thousands, as it were now, give their life around the, around the world to Jesus Christ this way. And thousands upon thousands and thousands are serving him today. So I believe it with all that's in me. He walks among us now to change your life. Let's confess with these. Everyone in this room lifting your voice loudly as we confess with these as they confess Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. Pray with me. Jesus, Jesus. By, faith, by faith, I confess I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I receive your grace as I repent of my sins. I have failed, but I will not be that person anymore. I believe that from this moment on, that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Heavenly Father, I want to be born again by faith to live a new life. And now I declare that God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I think, I just feel like somebody needs to rejoice. We just, something just broke in this place for many people. Right now, by the power of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you have done, for what you're going to do, and what you're going to do in every life. Every giant must fall by the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Come on, give God a praise for lives changed today. God is so good. I want to thank you for the honor of being able to bring you a message. Over 30, well, over 31 years now, I've been bringing the message to you guys, and I never, never grow tired of seeing lives be changed. And it's an honor. It's an honor. Thank you for letting me ramble with you this morning. God bless you. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen. To help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.